folks, do you love movies? The good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are talking all about the episode from Bad Batch Common Ground. And this episode was directed by Saul Ruiz, and it was written by Gersimran Sandu, and it aired on July 2nd, 2021, just in time for the holiday weekend. Yes. <laughs> I think we said even last week that the episode well maybe i didn't say that on the show but that this episode was going to be late and now we actually get a chance to record on a friday so really excited about that what do you think about this episode caitlin i really liked this episode this episode was fun this episode was beautiful to look at which is of course just the norm for bad bad (laughs) i feel like every week we're just like wow it's so pretty and uh you know this week continued that trend but I had a good time with this episode. I enjoyed the action of it. I enjoyed being on Raxus. Um, I loved Omega and Sid's little B-plot shenanigans. It was fun. What did you think? I really liked it. I'm surprised. I'm seeing some response online that's like, oh, this episode was predictable and like a little boring. But, but to be honest, when it opened on basically political intrigue and a senator and like the separatist home world. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I'm really excited about this. And it felt the most Clone Wars to me. I felt like I was instantly transported to like 2010, watching the Clone Wars and watching Heroes on Both Sides with Padme and Ahsoka and the Bonteris, and which is the same planet. So I was really excited. And I, I thought this episode could have done more and we're going to talk about it. But I still liked it. And I still think it was executed well. And it needed it felt like it, this episode needed to happen. Like we needed to slow down a little bit after the surprise and the reveals of the past three episodes. It was heart pounding. It was emotional. And I think we needed to slow down for a sec. Yeah, I feel like especially when when we go back and look at this season as a whole, this episode really will kind of serve as this nice breather in a ways um like you were saying between all of the like the past couple episodes that have just been so so intense you can't keep that up for every single episode in a series it's just i I don't think that's good storytelling number one to just have super intense episodes every single time yeah i do think that this episode had such a good like it really was heroes on both sides but bad batch edition (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which uh, <laughs> if you guys listen to early Sky Talkers episodes, that was Heroes on Both Sides was like our episode. We obsessed over these 22 minutes 
so much in early Sky Talkers days. I cannot stress that enough. It was it's on our Sky Talkers bingo card for that very reason. Um, <laughs> and this episode totally had those vibes. I mean, of course, you know it's on Raxus, which you know helps. But um, even the themes of it were really similar, which is of course intentional. I think um, for fans of Star Wars animation, and I think that we're definitely going to talk about you know what you said earlier about some of the ways this episode could have done more in some of the themes that were present in Heroes on Both Sides and are present here in Common Ground, um, which I think love the title of this episode. I think it, you know, it goes along really great with the themes. But yeah, I think this episode was just, it was, it was good. I liked where it is in the series. Again, with kind of all Bad Batch episodes, I feel like the pacing is done really well in Bad Batch between kind of the, the action and the dialogue and stuff like that. And this episode was no exception for me. I Let's get into what the themes were in this episode, right? I think obviously what We've talked about this before, too, with eventually, at least I think that the Bad Batch and specifically Hunter and crew need to get on the same page as the Rebellion and understanding that the Empire is bad. And I think that they know that, but allying them with people who now maybe they wouldn't have been allies with before. I mean, they were literally fighting against a separatist. Um, That was their mission. That was their goal as soldiers and what does that mean for them now when you know not all separatists are like Wat Tambor you know and I think that was it's important for Echo to have that realization I personally wish that we worked through that a little bit more but I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit because this is only a you know a 20 minute episode and there's way more to explore in that trauma set that we get with Echo But I do think that this episode had to happen because I think that eventually we're leading to the Bad Batch kind of not cut, maybe not cutting ties with Sid, but like not necessarily being so indebted with Sid that that's all they do and that they're not fully doing work for her anymore, but instead being more, a little bit more like Rex who doing good deeds, I suppose. (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like uh, this episode could have done more with testing their ideologies. Like, I think that some people in our Discord were talking about this, that the episode description on Disney Plus was the Bad Batch has their ideologies tested. You know, the episode ended and I was like, yeah, I guess their ideologies were tested, but were they tested that much? (laughs) I don't know. They, they, They went for it and... I feel like it could have been a little bit more. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that I think the topic came up of their ideologies in this episode. I don't really think it was tested. And for me, that became clear when Hunter was kind of reiterating that this was a job and to kind of put aside that the person they're rescuing is a separatist, a former separatist, however you want to look at it. You know, in the conversation of like, could this episode have done more in addressing their ideologies in regards to the war? I, I totally think it could have. And, you know, you you talked about it being like a 22 minute episode. And I, I think that's true. And that's a fair point and everything. But, you know, when we do compare it to something like Heroes on both sides, it really felt like by the end of this episode, that episode, Ahsoka had kind of come to a new understanding. Like for me, that episode felt more neatly tied up at the end as far as her realizing that this war and the people involved in it and where they stood on certain um, political ideas, it was a lot more complicated than she had initially thought. And I thought that, I think that Heroes on Both Sides really conveyed that really well for the character of Ahsoka. Um, I don't necessarily think they did it 
as well or as in-depth, not as well, but as in-depth as they could have in this episode, especially considering that this topic of their purpose, their soldiers, what are like who are they fighting for now, that's kind of like the whole theme of the show. And so I think I would have expected kind of some more dialogue, even with the senator. Like if there had been more time for them to actually talk to the senator about what he wanted for his people and, you know, his beliefs about the empire compared to the republic and the separatists, like I think that would have gone a long way for this overall conversation. And of course, the senator is still like with them kind of. (laughs) They're all back on SIDS, back at SIDS bar. So I don't know how much more we'll see of them together. But I do think there was opportunity for them to kind of push it forward a little more because I think I'm still waiting for them all. And again, we're mid-season. So not every single conversation is going to happen in every single episode and you can't expect it to. But, um, you know, for as much as you and I have talked about like their purpose and, you know, what they're all going to do, what Hunter is leading them to do, what they think they should be doing, I feel like we should be having more of those conversations as we start to move into the back half of the season. And I think this episode would have been a really good starting point for that. I think it was a starting point and is, but I think they could have pushed it a little bit further than they did. That being said, all of like the theme is still present in the episode. It's not like that theme wasn't conveyed. Um, Like we're all picking up on it, right? (laughs) Um, It's not like it was super, it wasn't (laughs) It's not like it was too subtle, you know what I mean? But I totally think that, you know, if I am comparing Heroes on Both Sides to this episode, Heroes on Both Sides felt like like Ahsoka kind of – like I, I saw the character development very clearly in her in that episode. And it was a lot more subdued here in Bad Batch. Yeah, I just feel like – I really think that Echo is the key to all this and I really just want more Echo. Of- yeah. I I think we just needed a couple more lines, I think. Um, yes, I agree with you that maybe a conversation with a senator would be good. And maybe we're being premature in this conversation because the senator is now with Sid and they're all like the Bad Batch is also with Sid. So who knows what's going to happen next for them if they're going to have to ferry the senator to another space or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure because then that leaves room for another conversation. I would love that. I really liked that character. I thought he was pretty cool. I really liked his change of heart mid-speech. Just I felt like that was really well written. I actually thought that first, you know, five minutes of the show was really well done. It reminded me of some famous protests for democracy and the tanks were really ominous and the walkers, I guess. They're honestly real life tanks, right? And I I thought that the whole thing was staged really well and I felt a lot of tension. It was it, it gave me goosebumps and I I really liked it. And I so I really liked that character. So I wouldn't mind seeing him again. And I think it's really interesting because we are setting up this space, right, is okay. So we went from in the Clone Wars and yes, we're dealing with clones now. So they were fighting the Separatists and had been tortured by the Separatists, some of them, and they have history, right? But we have to set up the rebellion because the rebellion is made up of all different kinds of people. And we know this because Cassian Andor himself is a separatist, too. And I I feel like there's we're just going to be exploring this theme, I, I think, a lot in Star Wars. Yes, I'm with you that I think heroes on both sides tied it up a little more neatly. But maybe the Bad Batch isn't going for neat. Maybe the Bad Batch is going for exploring this since this is a major thing for a, over a long period of time. When the Clone Wars, I think, was like, we're going to have this episode with Padme and Ahsoka, and it's going to 
we're going to introduce a new character and that new character is going to follow us in a lot of different seasons, but that's going to be it because we have to move on to the next thing in the Clone Wars. And I think that now that we're with a group of five clones, I think that maybe there's room to explore this even more. I'm just giving it the benefit of the doubt, I think is my final uh, where I come down on it. All I know is, is that this means there's ample room to include Lux in the Bad Batch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I am so ready for that. I really, I kind of thought that maybe we would see the Bonteries in this episode, but it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that I really do hope they have another conversation with the senator because we did see a little bit of, of it at the end where the senator was telling them how to get out of the city. And he was like, you're going to have to trust me. And the Bad Batch did. And like that would have been a good opportunity for just like a line of like, well, I guess we're all on the same side now or something like that, you know, but I do think that there is plenty of room for them to come back together and talk. You know what I mean? I think they might be a little ignorant of all that. And I want, it's going to have to hit them in the face somehow about everything that's going on in the galaxy right now. I just feel like we haven't really seen that side as much as I would have wanted. I think we saw it obviously in that episode cut and run. I'm just not sure, which is also written by the same person. The cut and run was written by the same person as Common Ground. I don't know. I feel like I appreciate when you get these glimpses at what the galaxy is dealing with politically. And I would like more of that. I feel like that is so juicy. (laughs) And uh, I'm just not sure if the Bad Batch as a crew actually understands the stakes as much as I want them to, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think this, I think the first season has done a good job of showing different examples of planets' responses to the Empire. Like we had Cut and Run, where there is a lot of anxiety on that planet about the credits and the identification numbers and everything like that. But then we segued to Pantora, which I believe it was on Pantora that that, that population was really excited about the Empire. And now we're here on Raxus and they are very much not excited about this new um, regime. But I think the more that we can kind of dig into it and even just seeing different examples of people responding to everything that's happening differently, the better, because this is such a complicated age. And and I think you even bringing up Andor is really great. I don't think we've really talked about him this season, which um, we should because like I feel like his story is really going to dovetail nicely with the Bad Batch, not like in the sense that he's necessarily going to be in the show, but in the sense of like the whole ideology conversation of it all. Like it is them saying them all saying like, all right, maybe you were a separatist. Maybe I was literally a, a clone for the Republic, but now we're all on the same side here against the Empire and we have to put that down because I, do, I don't know if I think that like our characters at this level will ever kind of come. I don't know if any of our characters have honestly really come. Well, I guess they did. That's a lie. Leia did. Sorry. What I'm trying to say here is <laughs> come through the realization that both the Republic and the Separatists were pawns of Palpatine and that the whole war was basically a, a false war, right? I don't know if like this, these types of characters will ever come to that realization. And so for them, the, um, the light bulb moment is realizing that, um, at the end of the day, they just want, they, they don't want the empire to be ruling over them. And I think that will be the major switch and, and when we'll see all of them decide their purpose. Yeah. I'm not sure they can, they can come to that, that conclusion. That's an interesting point. 
I don't think that they can fully realize the extent of the nature of being a pawn, even though I think that they can understand that on an individual level, but not on a galactic level. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they can understand that they were soldiers created for a war that ultimately ended to where they are now, but I don't think that they can understand how they were fully all played, including the Jedi, including, you know, all done by Palpatine. And I'm not sure that's the purpose of the show either, but the again, the very glimpses of pieces like that that we get as an audience member, it's um, intriguing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right, let's talk about uh, Sid and Omega a little bit because okay. their whole little plot I was obsessed with. You guys know I love Sid. I love her. I love the complexity of her. I love the sass from her. <laughs> I just – I think she's great. And again – I really want to know if her and Auntie know each other. I think they do, but that's what I want. <laughs> what did you think, Charlotte, about Omega and Sid's uh, adventure? I think you mentioned this before, but I think the pacing of this episode and every Bad Batch episode, honestly, is really good. And this was one of those moments where when we cut back to Omega, I was like, okay, I'm really happy to see Omega again. And uh, I liked the relationship that is being built between Omega and Sid. I liked it a a while back when she kind of took her bow and cast it, right, Um, and called her Tiny. I like all the nicknames. I think she's great. I'm with you, Caitlin. I like her. But my emotions about whether I trust Sid or not keep evolving. I just don't know. And I think that's the point. The fact that in this episode, she says you shouldn't trust me. I I feel like everything always has a monetary value. And I just never know what to think about that. And again, that's the point. I just when Sid turns out to be really evil and like double cross them somehow, I won't be surprised, I guess. <laughs> just because I feel like I am just so conflicted in my emotions. Personally, I don't think I needed Omega proving that she was all about strategy and strategic. But what I did like about this plot point was that Omega stepped up and paid off the debts based off of her own strengths. And something that I think was going on in this episode that I think would felt a little repetitive was the fact that Hunter wanted to leave Omega behind and then did because he was scared of losing her, I guess, or not being able to have control over himself. And I think that's the point. Like, I think in the past it was like, oh, she's just a child. She's just a child. She can't do anything. I don't think that was what was happening with Hunter and and this whole decision to leave Omega um, with Sid. I honestly think it was because Hunter and the crew feel a little overwhelmed by this new knowledge of Omega being so special and being a target. And I feel like he was dealing with maybe guilt. I don't know. And I, I don't know. I did, I thought this whole thing was interesting because, I again, I, don't, I didn't need Omega to prove herself about her own strategy and her skills because I think we've seen that, especially in the past two episodes when she fended for herself. And I honestly think the Bad Batch knows that because there's even that that moment in – when they're in in the um in the palace and hunter it was an adorable moment hunter says okay tech and omega you go this way and tech's like well omega's not on the mission you know and when she, when he drops the name omega accidentally it was one of those cute moments where it was like oh you know she really is part of the crew and 
I, he knows that. I just feel like he's dealing with, I think they're all dealing with this like bombshell of information about like, okay, so how does that work with what we're doing and how can we protect this really special child and what can we do? I just don't know what to do. And I still have to pay off my debt and everything. So I thought that the, what was going on in this episode actually was executed pretty well. I just, I was, I found myself a tiny bit frustrated that we had to like show those cards about, look at how amazing Omega is to the audience because I already feel that way. Yeah, I I don't know if I think it was for the audience about Omega, like her strategy skills, because like what you said, Charlotte, we've had like the past two episodes and especially the last episode, Omega has just shown, shown a ton of agency and being able to figure her way out of sticky situations, even though she is still a child. For me, I think, you know, kind of to go back to the beginning of the conversation about like Sid and Omega and her trustworthiness, I really do think that like before always was kind of wishy-washy with Sid, but I really do think that Omega has created an ally in Sid at this point. Maybe not with the rest of the Bad Batch, but I think Sid and Omega have an allyship now. And I think you kind of see it at the end of the episode where Sid is the one who's like, yeah, well, she just paid off your debt and you better be nice to my friend. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think that we might be surprised actually at what Sid will or won't do for Omega in the future, depending on who comes knocking on Sid's door. Uh, now, in regards to Hunter choosing to leave Omega behind with Sid, I was really surprised at this decision too because if you guys remember last week, I was speculating that uh, the Bad Batch would – their net like th- this episode was effectively going to be the Bad Batch looking for a safe place to hide. And that's what I kind of thought we were going to do. So I was surprised to see that we were still – with Sid, and not only that, but the Bad Batch were going to leave her there unattended, basically. Like, can you imagine if they had just left Wrecker there and it became like a Wrecker and Omega are taking over the bar of Sid's? I don't know. It would have been funny. But I was really surprised, basically, that they left her unattended there with Sid. I do think you're right, though, in that Hunter is just kind of like overwhelmed at what has just happened. Like, they lost her. And not only the Bad Batch lost her, but Hunter specifically mm-hmm. lost her. He couldn't protect her from. Yeah. Cad Bane. And I do think that that is weighing really heavily on him because I don't think it's a question of if they consider her a part of the crew. Like you mentioned of Hunter, like forgetting that she wasn't there. Um, we saw them. We, we talked about this a couple episodes ago uh, when they met up with Crosshair again about just how much more integrated Omega was with the group and how they were giving her tasks to do and objectives like within the mission itself. Um, and so then to have to leave her behind, it really is more a function of her safety rather than not wanting her to be there or thinking that she can't handle okay. it. I, I do think it's like very nuanced, but I think the end of it is that Hunter, like you said, was very overwhelmed. And like there is a lot of guilt there in what she had to go through and the fact that he did lose her. And you know, if she's not going anywhere, she can't be captured. And like, clearly no one knows that she's with Sid right now or else they would have already come for her. Um, So like, this is the best that he's got uh, is to leave her with Sid and then hope to go make more money to pay off Sid and their debt. But then, you know, I really loved that it was Omega who earned the money. Like seeing her negotiate with Sid, I thought was great. And the fact that she did it and she basically bought their freedom, um, 
I think is really cool. And I just, I really love Omega as a character. I think she is incredibly brave and smart and really clever, but she does still have so much of this like child, like wonder with her, like even her kind of pouting throughout this whole episode and Sid being like, if you're frustrated, like do something about it. Like don't just sit there and pout. And Omega just continues to pout for a few more minutes and is like, you don't understand. Like, I'm not helpless. Like, don't be mean to me. I've been through a lot. I'm very small. I have no money. <laughs> it was it was really fun. And I I liked I liked their whole exchange because I do think that Omega is wise beyond her years, but she is still a child who's never left Camino. And I continue to think that this show does a really good job in balancing that. Me too. I also love how Omega became Beth Harmon from the Queen's Gambit in this episode. All of a sudden, she was making strategy moves, like amazing it. It's, it's Dejaric, right? Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm second guessing my Star Wars knowledge as usual. And her being like <laughs> everyone going to watch her. I know that it wasn't low profile, and that's true, which is really interesting, but it was still pretty. Uh, I loved it. And also, just as you were talking, I was thinking about how Omega being left behind settled all of their debts. If they had just stayed there, and I guess everything kind of had, had to happen for that reason, right? Because if they, the Bad Batch then went on a mission to rescue a separatist, which they, are, they were at odds with, and it was kind of pointless because they got paid through Omega. But it wasn't pointless because they had to come face to face with those ideologies. And they're what they're willing to sacrifice and the fact that omega's good on their uh, gone her, good on her own and can provide for them yeah i just thought it was really it's interesting thinking about it because it was like oh yeah all that had to happen i guess so what was your favorite soft moment of the episode this is a good question i think it was the one i mentioned about hunter casually accidentally mentioning omega during a battle <laughs> it was so cute i was like ugh. I also just really enjoyed the moment at the end where Omega and Hunter were playing each other at the game. I think it's Tajarik. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I I really, I don't know. I think that it's very clear, obviously, that they're setting up Hunter as the fatherly figure for Omega. It's already set up. It's already happening. It is in action, right? And I liked this idea of them having this moment together, playing this game. I mean, the rest of the crew disappeared and it was just them. And you know that Omega wins, obviously, or he let her win. And I don't think he let her win, but basically, uh, I don't know. I, I really liked that moment. I think that they've, in the past couple of episodes, they have really set up this attachment that Omega has to Hunter. And I really appreciate it because I think in the beginning, I didn't really think that they were doing a good job of showing that i think it was just kind of uh the way it was happening since hunter was the leader of the crew and then omega was joined the crew so obviously she'd have like a, she'd try to have a close relationship with a leader so that she can get in his good graces but i think it has evolved a little bit actually a lot right of about how omega has a clear attachment to all these different members i think specifically hunter and wrecker hunter and wrecker are her the ones that she has the most energy and chemistry with i guess yeah, I totally agree. I think and, and not only Omega's attachment, but Hunter's attachment to Omega bandana, as Sid calls him. Yeah, love the nicknames. I think my favorite soft moment was the Mantel Mix moment at the beginning of the episode. One, super excited to see that back again. I loved how they were talking about their debt. 
while eating the mantel mix, which was probably adding to their debt to sin. Um, but I I really loved when they like got Omega down off Wrecker's shoulder and then you could see her like trying to give it to Echo for him to try. Like it kind of looked like he hadn't tried mantel mix before and he was kind of like sniffing it and he was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll try it. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was cute. Like this kind of like quiet background moment between the rest of the group. It was cute. Yeah, it was cute. I also think it's the the concept is adorable after she goes through a traumatic thing where she was separated from them and found their way back. And the first thing that they do when they get back to the planet is spoil her with Mantel Mix, which, like you said, definitely put them even more into debt. So but she she clawed her way out there, too. So there you go. It's just so cute that they were like, no, it's worth it. Like, we got to get we got to get our girl some Mantel Mix. She's had a bad day. It's so cute. Uh, yeah she had a bad day we all had a bad day we deserve this she deserves this <laughs> we all had a bad day almost got killed slash kidnapped by a the most notorious bounty hunter in the galaxy just a bad day okay so i want to talk a little bit about how now all their debts are paid with sid and now what because i think before it was this kind of line that was towing them to do these deeds for these jobs for Sid. But now we're free here. But I think you make a good point about how Sid and Omega have this relation, this newfound relationship, right? And you might be right about how Sid wants to protect Omega a little bit, at least a little bit now. But now that they're free of these debts, will they do odd jobs anyway for the money? Or are they going to kind of move on completely? What do you think? Because now we're in episode 10, and we only have a couple more episodes left of this season. Yeah, I don't know, honestly. I think I found myself, as we were talking, thinking more and more about the title of the episode, Common Ground, because not only are we talking about the ideologies on Raxus, but now they're on common ground with Sid. Like, I think now Sid will treat them as a contact that they that she can hire. They don't have to do what she asks now. Because when, when she gave them the job for the senator, it, was, it wasn't like a question. It was like, here's the info. Get going. I guess you can leave the kid here. But now they're on common ground with Sid because Omega put them on common ground. And she's like that point of contact, really, with Sid and, and you know, not not exactly, but you guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so I really don't know what's happening next. Maybe their next mission is going to try to be to find the bounty hunters and take them out, basically. Because if you take out the bounty hunters, you know, or find out who it find out if they're because I don't remember if they know that both bounty hunters come from Camino. So maybe they're going to be trying to figure that out. Or maybe Fennec tracks them to to Sid's now you know um so maybe maybe the fight will come to sit i can very easily seeing have like a having like a final not a final battle because i do still think we're headed back to camino but having a like a big episode brawl a bar brawl basically at sid's bar i could really (laughs) easily see that the fact that that hasn't happened yet is surprising just because that's kind of very star wars to have a brawl in a bar or like cantina you know the same deal it it just always ends badly whenever anyone steps into a cantina especially people who are you know fraternized with the bounty hunters so yeah I, I think that you're probably onto something there I just think it's interesting that now like a lot of things are cleared up right I still think there's more to Omega um, especially with the strategy thing. I think it's clear that she was really good at strategy, like I said, but maybe they adjusted her cloning. I don't know. I still think there's more to her than just exact clone DNA from Jango Fett. But maybe I'm wrong. 
and we'll see. But regardless, I still think that like now a lot of loose ties have been kind of uh, cut off, right? So we're, we got the, our answers technically about Omega. We're done now with our our deaths to Sid. We have seen Cad Bane and Fennec Shand, and now we know what Fennec was after and who she was working for. And we also know who Cad Bane was working for. And I guess the next question mark is, okay, what happens next with Crosshair um, and their relationship with Crosshair? Will that be wrapped up by the end of the season or will we hit like a big milestone with that relationship with this season? I feel like that's probably where we're heading towards the finale, but we keep... I, I, I don't know. I felt like in, the, in at least mid-season, we had all these different balls in the air, and I feel like they're crashing a little bit, crashing in a good way, like landing softly. I feel like things are progressing, but I, I'm just very interested. I can't wait to see where it goes. You know, there's probably a ball up in the air that is so high up there, it hasn't even fallen close enough for us to see what it is, and that's going to be the season finale. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to reiterate again that I'm really thankful for these episodes that are a little quieter, slower pace, and kind of let us dig in, at least in our brains, about these ideological questions or like what's happening politically. I think we need that in Star Wars series. And I want another one and another one and another one because I still feel like there's a lot to be done about the characterization of the Bad Batch crew, specifically Tech, specifically Echo. And we really need more Echo, I think, in order to round out this season that's my personal opinion i think that there's i think this show has we're episode 10 now and i can say that this show has really surprised me it's, i look forward to it every friday obviously and i i love it but i still think that we could do a little bit better about the characterization of the clones and showing more than just hunter wrecker and omega yeah i i totally agree you guys know tech has been I, at the beginning of the season. I was saying he's my favorite, and he still is. I still, I still really love him. But yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that I kind of thought we would move almost clone by clone <laughs> of Omega, like forming a real relationship with them. But it really has stayed focused on Hunter and Wrecker. Um, so I hope you know maybe that's coming in season two. Uh, but I hope that we do get more characterization and more, honestly, like more individuality from uh, from tech specifically. And but then there's because we I feel like we already know a lot about Echo. He just hasn't necessarily been at the forefront this season. Uh, so I would like to see I would like to see both of them brought to the forefront, um, maybe even like a solo mission with Echo, Tech and Omega, I think would be really fun. Yeah, and I just think that this episode would have been a good moment to highlight more of Echo, and I think they did their best. And again, I, I do really like this writer. I think that she is really good. Like, again, I really loved the beginning speech and everything that was happening there. I thought it was really well written and really well set up and everything. But I think that we could have dug a little bit more into Echo. But again, I'm willing to bite my tongue because I'm just not sure if we're setting up for some something bigger something more exploratory. I'm not sure, but maybe, and maybe this is just a stepping stone as it probably is just because we have many more episodes in this season and also, I guess, next season too. I feel like we've kind of talked about most of what we want to talk about with this episode, but I will say we have not shouted out the droid 
who was so great and so funny oh in this gosh, episode. Yes, yes, I loved this droid so good. I think that we've only seen that droid in the original trilogy, or maybe maybe in the prequel trilogy too. We've never really like laser focused on that kind of droid, that type of protocol droid before, and I really liked her. I thought her voice was great, and I don't know. I thought that it was it was interesting too to see Echo. Um, sort of uh, recoil at the droids also. And like they didn't really treat her very well. And I understand that. And I hope that we can grow from that. And I, I really liked her character. She just is following orders and everything. I loved I loved her, actually. And I'm really happy that she didn't die. <laughs> yeah, me too. Especially when she... I loved after they kind of forced her into the first... To be the first diversion. And then after that, she... Uh, when they're making their next plan, she's just like, oh, no, I know what to do. And like gets up and goes for it. And they're all like, wait, no. <laughs> but she still gets it. <laughs> yeah. And she saves the base that only for the senator to throw it. And he's like, well, I never actually liked it. And she's like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, wait, if it, but it has such high value. Wait, what? It's priceless. <laughs> priceless. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything we've missed or you want to talk about before we wrap up the show? I don't think so. Again, I really enjoyed this episode and I felt like it was a really I feel like a lot of uh I feel like a lot of Bad Batch episodes are really comfortable because I slip into this nostalgic feeling of the Clone Wars, but it also presents me with something new and I'm really enjoying the show and really looking forward to next Fridays. We are winding down to the end of the season. And yes, I completely agree. I look forward to it every Friday. It provides the best kind of – if I can't get to it first thing in the morning before work, it provides like the best reward for me of like, all right, put in a couple hours of good work and then you get to take a nice break and enjoy Bad Batch. It's like the best thing ever. So I'm really looking forward to next week also. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this episode all about the Bad Batch Common Ground. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to talk about that episode online with us or anything else Star Wars related, you can head on over to our Twitter, which is at SkytalkersPod, or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our Instagram, our website, SkyTalkers.com, our Facebook, our TikTok. Um, You can find us there wherever you would like to follow us on your social media platform of choice. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you took a second to do that. It helps other people find our show. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon, check out our reward tiers there, and find out how to get involved in our amazing, lovely Discord community. Yes, and I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Tom, Martin, B, Talking Bay 94, Talia, Daniela, Alyssa, Heidi, Alex, Timothy, Kitty, Emily, Adam, Emma, John, Dylan, Alex, Fifi, Brian, Paul, King, Kimberly, Suki, Shelby, and Derek. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.